Hello there. This is John Cronin from Invent Anything. In this episode, we will cover a very important problem in the intellectual property space. That is, that a business has just been threatened. A close competitor got a very broad patent just issued, and the company believes they're violating the patent. Now what do they do? As a little bit of background to this, you'd be surprised how many times I get a call with this exact subject. It's a very important area of concern for a business because if your business is being threatened because you believe you're violating a patent, that really takes the wind out of product development and sales, doesn't it? Well, the company profile that I'm going to talk about, I certainly won't talk about the individual client, but one thing they did say right off the bat, they said, John, we will not knowingly violate a patent. Well, good for them. There's a lot of other companies that may not take this approach, but I think this is a sound approach because at least you can sleep at night knowing that you won't violate the patent and you'll do right. So over the years, we've been advising clients of how one might approach this. So I'm going to talk about five different areas. There are 20 points to make within these five areas. The first area I'm going to talk about is to be able to sleep at night, area number one. I'll then go on to talk about area number two, how to avoid willful infringement. I'll then move to area number three, how do we challenge the patent and should we? And then area number four, how do we protect our very near future? And then finally, area number five, DEFCON 3, let's get ready for war. So in area number one, sleep at night, the very first thing to do is item number one, create a task force, have somebody in charge, call them a guru, Ask that guru to give you weekly updates. There's nothing better to know than somebody is looking at a key problem in your business. The next thing to do is number two, estimate the damages and or the royalties involved. Figure out what the size of the bread box is, if you will. How much will you owe? It's surprising that many people don't do this step right off the bat. You see, there's a maxim here that if it takes more to sue you in terms of money, versus how much money will be awarded. It makes no sense to sue somebody. So if the legal fees are gonna be much, much greater than the damages, then there's likely not to be a lawsuit. And legal fees for patent infringement could cost the plaintiff millions and millions of dollars. So if you have an opportunity to estimate the damages here, that might be very good. We do this with a back of the envelope kind of model. And many times on a first call, I'm able to have my potential client uh, relax a bit because they recognize that the damages are not gonna be as large. So I think it's one of the most important things to do right off the bat. Number two, estimate the damages and the royalty rates. The next thing, number three, is to ask the question, is the competitor litigious? Well, if they're not litigious, it certainly doesn't change the situation about the patent infringement, but at least you know that there's some probability you might not get sued. On the other hand, you may find that the competitor is very litigious. This is not a very good place to be. You may find that some competitors uh, will litigate just for spite or to cause trouble in the market. Sometimes the competitors are very small and they wouldn't have the money to litigate. Sometimes the competitor could be, quote, a university, and they certainly don't tend to litigate. So the next area of area number one, sleep at night, is point number four. Is your customer involved in this somehow? Do you have agreements with your customers where you're indemnifying them 
against you being sued by patents. And basically, if you're producing a product that they would then integrate to their product, their product might get held up because yours does. So indemnity is a place that many people find is an issue. So you need to size that because this could make matters worse. Another, another issue under area number one, sleep at night, is to analyze your own portfolio for counter-assertion. Do you have patents that you can use for counter-assertion? If you do, very good. If you don't, well, we'll talk about later how we might be able to help that. But you should know this is really a point of strategy. In general, a good IP strategy should always develop patents for your main competitors that you can counter-assert. The next thing to do, point number six in area number one, sleep at night, is to set up a competitor watch, Chaser. That is to say what you need to do is to literally be able to get a weekly snapshot of that competitor. What are they doing? Uh, is their product that they're developing based upon the patent growing? They're more likely to sue if it is. Uh, are they even having a product right now that has to do with their patent that you feel threatened by? Because if they don't, then that's good news. Uh, are they involved in any new licensing or new customers or patent litigation? These would be good things to know. And again, developing a sort of AI-based chaser would allow you to get a weekly report. So let's move from area one, sleep at night, to the next area, area two, avoiding willful infringement. So in point number seven, you want to do as much as possible under what we would call, quote, attorney-client privilege. Talking to your patent attorney or your general counsel, everything you talk with them about can be put under a privilege and not divulged in a formal uh, litigation and subpoena process. So you want to make sure that you do the right things legally. Of course, in this podcast, we're not talking about anything that's legal advice. Always consult your patent attorney or general counsel. Point number eight, in terms of area number two, avoiding willful infringement, is to do nothing in writing. That is, no emails, no presentations. Uh, because you could be developing information that could be subpoenaed that will actually come out in the uh, trial. And it's certainly not good to have an email saying, we are infringing this patent, but who cares? Because that's a definite problem you might have for willful infringement. Willful infringement means that the judge, when assigning damages, could multiply those damages up to 3x if he finds you willful infringement. So from here on in, no more emails, no more presentations about this. And you need to school everybody in your business to do the same. Number nine is evaluating your own website to see if you're showing how you're violating the patent. It's always surprising to me how marketing and website development is devoid of any kind of legal process. And in many times what's happening is you're giving away in your website technical information that could be later on used to exactly show that you're infringing. So what you need to do is to eliminate all information on a website that teaches how. It's okay to talk about the product benefits and features, but don't say technically how things are done. Also, it might not surprise you that many companies that are called non-practicing entities or NPEs, their basic way to find out if you're violating the patent is reviewing the website. It's searchable and it can be dissected. And literally changing things on websites might be something that you think would make sense. But with the Wayback Machine, you can go back to previous versions. So that's not always an option to just change things after the fact, which leads to point number 10 under area two, avoiding willful infringement is to create a process to review websites going forward to make sure that you're not showing your competitor uh, that you are violating their patent. Now, checkpoint number 11 here is to create a process to review marketing and sales presentations, once again, on the how-to. 
If you're marketing a sales presentations are showing technical details, you might consider changing them quite a bit because many times customers uh, do not need to know technical details. You may be using them as a badge of honor or how innovative you are, but it could lead directly to uh, showing infringement. So area number two, avoiding willful infringement. Point number 11 here, create a process to review marketing and sales presentations and make sure that's changes. Point number 12 is to create a trade secret process immediately. In general, for avoiding willful infringement, the trade secret process is keeping those kind of things sort of in a document held trade secret that are not divulged to everybody, but just a few people. And although it's not as good as an attorney-client privilege, because you can't operate everything you do in your business technically and for practice as a attorney-client privilege, Certainly, you could have a trade secret practice that stops others from learning how you do what you do. So number 12, if you want to avoid willful infringement, is to create a very good, thorough trade secret practice immediately. Let's move on to area number three, challenging the patent. It turns out that one of the things that are done all the time is what's called an inter partes review. In essence, you can put together information to try to convince the examiner to either not allow the patent or to invalidate the patent. The process for IPR is uh, expensive, but one of the fundamental things you can do in challenging the patent is number 13, evaluate the prior art. So you get your internal experts together and they review the prior art of maybe what your company has divulged over time. If you can find prior art uh, prior to the date of your competitor's patent's application, then you have the ability to basically say that you were practicing the invention or maybe you can find other prior art that somebody else was showing the invention, and that is a good case to make the patent invalid. The examiners who allow patents to be issued try to do the best they can to find prior art, but they really only have to spend so much time looking at prior art. They're allowed to look at three patent offices and maybe one outside reference, and they literally have to spend only a set amount of time looking at prior art. So they don't have the ability to do infinite prior art searches, but in this case, because your business is being challenged, you might do a lot more work on prior art. As soon as you get a reading that you found some internal uh, experts that found prior art, check it with your patent attorney. If they also agree, now what's happening is you're feeling a lot better, that you now know that if you were challenged to go to court, you might be able to knock the patent out. One of the things that others do is they hire outside experts, because internal experts might not have access to all the information of other countries in multiple language. There are companies today that allow one to kind of put use a crowd to basically go out and to ask many thousands of people if they have prior art on a particular patent claim. I bought a company a while back called Article One Partners, which then later on we sold, but Article One Partners was involved in providing a prior art services where you could provide a patent claim and the crowd would go find the prior art. Another thing you could do in Area 3 challenging the patent is item number 14. Set up an artificial intelligence assistant that continually looks at the art for you. You'd be surprised how straightforward this could be, but basically what you want to do is to take the product that you believe is being violated by the patent and maybe set it up to keep looking at other patents or continuations of things that are being added to the patent office that you might be infringing. There's nothing worse than thinking you have a case against the competitor's patent to find out that they issued another patent with different claims that maybe doesn't have prior art. So setting up an AI assistant to continue to look at the prior art is very important. We call those freedom to operate chasers. You're asking, do I have freedom to operate 
to operate my product without being sued by others. And the last thing of area three challenging the patent is number 15. Please think about hiring a competent IPR assistant entity that can assist you through that whole process. Now, we do know that patent attorneys can do this, of course, developing an IPR assistance for you, but there are some firms that really specialize in it. So if you can hire very competent IPRs assistance, that's what I would do. So after thinking about challenging the patent area three, let's move on to area four, protecting the very near future. And one of the first things one can do is item number 16, is to invent around the patent claims. You know, over the years, I've watched this go on and been involved in many sessions where we try to invent around the patent claims. But several decades ago, I started to watch how people uh, invent around patent claims, and I recognized it to be very ad hoc. That is, let's develop some technical people, a patent attorney, and maybe the business leader. Let's get into a conference room for a half a day. Let's look at the claims and talk about ways that we can get around those patents. Over time, I recognized that there was, quote unquote, a mental checklist that one could create. Uh, we have an 18-point checklist, for instance, that makes inventing around a much more systematic versus an ad hoc method. And usually invent around should produce no less than 60 to 100 ideas because just like our creativity course we talked about in episodes two, three, and four, by diverging and converging lots of options, we have a better opportunity, a higher quality output. So if you're going to invent around, I'd highly suggest that you do not do this in an ad hoc way. Because if this is really threatening your business, you're not going to leave it to people that don't have the experience to invent around. And by experience, I mean haven't done it 20, 30, 40, 50 times. Not this is the first time. In our checklist, there are very simple things in the checklist, like is there a different technology that can be used to replace the technology in the claim? Or another one would be, does this patent claim suffer from multiple entities? And does it take multiple violators to string together to produce infringement, which makes the patent weaker? So it could be a simple or more advanced checklist, but nonetheless, inventing around patent claims is really important. One of the things about item 16, inventing around patent claims, is many times what you'll find is you find really good inventions that come out of the inventor realm, meaning that sometimes you find ideas that are even better than the product you have in the inventor around the patent, which is very good news. You might consider patenting those really good inventor rounds, or you might consider publishing a lot of these inventor rounds, so at least down the road somebody can't get another incremental improvement on your product. If you go through checklists, as we're talking about, and doing a number 16 inventor round for the patent claims, it is very likely that if you can show that in your business, uh, you will avoid willful infringement because you've definitely done the only thing a business can do, which is to be convinced that they're not inventing around and move forward. So if all that is documented, it's very likely that you've eliminated infringement. So it's a great return on investment, if you will, to do the invent around of patent claims because whatever that's going to cost can pay big benefits later on by eliminating willful infringement. And the next thing to do under area four, protect the very near future, is number 17, and that is to change the product as soon as possible. As soon as you can find an event around that you think reasonably gets around the patent claims and is easy enough to implement, do it right away. Because what that will do is mitigate the going forward damages, meaning that you get sued based upon damages in the past and going forward that you might need a license. So if you can change the product, you'll eliminate needing a license for sure, taking pressure off the litigation but you might even be able to change the product as soon as possible and recognize that your product may not have been infringing for more than six months. So going back to the back of the envelope calculation that we talked about at sleep at night, 
Number two, estimating the damages. If you could estimate the damages today and forward, you might recognize that the, the, the monetary damage of a potential infringement could be very small if you can invent around it. So let's go to the last area, area five, DEFCON 3, getting ready for war. Certainly if you've done everything you can in this checklist so far, one of the things that could be done which would really strengthen your position, particularly if you have analyzed your portfolio and you don't have patents for counter-assertion, is to set up a process to find patents to buy that you can use to counter-assert against the competitor that has the patent that you think you're infringing. Basically, there is a process to use here to look at uh, the competitors' products and technology and to find patents that, quote-unquote, would show evidence of use. Uh, there are processes to do this. We do evidence of uses all the time, uh, many, many a month. And we can tell you that there are ways to do this that can be very efficient to take a product, strip it down to its components, and then find patents that might relate. But once we do find patents that we think are very strong, that could provide uh, evidence of use that we could buy, that we could counter-assert to our competitors, is to hire a third party to get in the middle to go buy those patents. You're going to take advantage of the zeitgeist of the patent monetization space because people do buy and sell patents all the time. So by taking advantage of that and having a third party do that, you may be able to find a patent you need at a very reasonable price. As a matter of fact, you might be able to find that you could buy a patent for just a period of time, and then when it's done, you could go resell it. Believe it or not, number 18 here, evaluating and then buying others' patents for counter-assertion is really done all the time. So this is not a strange strategy at all. The next thing in area five, DEFCON 3, getting ready for war, is number 19, developing a negotiation package, getting ready for that time where you might have to sit down and negotiate and hammer out terms if you're found infringing. Now, of course, a court might award damages, but somewhere in the process of a damage assessment, people do come together. The competitor and you might come together and have some meetings to talk about, could you settle out? So developing a negotiation package for how to settle out would be very important. Now, if you've taken the steps we've mentioned above, you know, one through 18 in the five areas, then you can at least put together a presentation and maybe it's 20, 30 slides. And maybe all it is is just a demonstration of what you would do and how you'd negotiate it. You start to think about the risk you actually have. And when you go through a negotiation package like this, you may actually find that you have to go back up to the areas we talked about to do a better job. Maybe you need to do more of an event around, uh, more time on it. Maybe you have to do a very specific calculation of damages. Or maybe you have to really figure out whether the prior art is good enough. But either way, developing a negotiation package is very important. And finally, area five, DEFCON 3, getting ready for war, is number 20, which is called sit tight and wait for the war. Well, it's not so easy to just sit tight and wait for war. We know, of course, many companies build walls and they build counter defenses because they want to feel protected. But by doing these items we've talked about in the five areas, you will actually feel better protected. You'll sleep better at night and you know you've done the best job you possibly can. So whether it's developing things under area one to sleep at night, doing things like a task force or estimating damages or figuring about the competitor, is it litigious or is the customer involved? Do you have patents to counter-assert, setting up a watch? Very reasonable things to do. In area number two, doing everything you can to avoid willful, getting your patent attorney involved and getting things under attorney client, putting nothing in writing, looking at your website, developing processes for that, looking at the marketing and sales presentations and making sure you're not showing how you're violating people's patents and certainly developing a trade secret process immediately. In area number three, challenging the patent 
commonly done finding prior art. The sooner you get started on that, the better. But note that internal experts can only take you so far. Hiring outside experts is really important, and I would consider doing that immediately. If you want to get more automated about this, set up an AI assistant to continually look at your product with a free to operate chaser and to see if things change. It wouldn't be uh, uncommon to find out that you think you know what the case is, and on the way up to the court door, if you will, finding out the case changed because another patent just issued. Whatever you need to do, you need to avoid getting into that situation. So hire a competitive, competent IPR assistance. In area number four, you need to protect the very near future. So inventor rounds are really important. Highly recommend that an ad hoc process not be used because if it's this big a deal, you want to do this absolutely right. And maybe you'll find some really good patents to invent around. Maybe it'll change the products. Maybe that will avoid the going forward as images. For sure, by doing this, it'll set you up to avoiding willful, well worth the ROI. And change that product as soon as you can. That'll mitigate the going forward as images. And as I, we just talked about in Area 5, DEFCON 3, getting ready for war, see if there's some patents you can buy that can uh, beef up your counter-assertion. And certainly develop a negotiation package to let you know how you could sell this out if you had to. And maybe just maybe in going through that process, you can find other things that you might do to beef it up. And then sit tight and ready for war. So I hope this has helped. I, I hope uh, in the long run, this uh, podcast can give you some ideas to work on so that you can sleep better at night. This is John Cronin in Invent Anything. My competitor just got a very broad patent that I think I'm violating. What do I do? Mm-hmm.